Welcome to Ram and Sam. Basketball is around the corner. Preseason games are full swing. Basketball is back. Oh, it's back. It's B-A-C-K back. And uh, line, you know, rosters are pretty much set now. You know, not many trades happening. And balls being ball is actually on the court. Games are actually being played. So um, that's going to be the focus of today's pod. NBA, what's what's going on? We got some players picked out, starting five, if you will, for both of us. Uh, players to watch out for this season because, you know, every season brings something new, you know. There's, there's some things that stay the same. You know, LeBron James is always one of the best players. You know, some of the superstars stay the same. But there's always some surprises. So, you know, the, we had a really good rookie class this last year. Some some teams came out of nowhere, and we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see. So yeah, Ram, did did you want to get us started, or you had some overview you want to start with? Or? No, no, I I can go first. It's okay. All this right. is a bit we do it every year on the pod, but going into the NBA season, we each pick. It's it's kind of a starting lineup of five guys we're interested in. It's kind it would kind of work on a basketball. Board. It's not perfect. It's it's not like a top five players. It's not the top five most interesting players. It's just five guys we each kind of have our eyes on for this upcoming NBA season. Five guys that have a chance to really impact what's going to be going on in a basketball court. I said five guys that are going to impact the NBA season. I didn't say five NBA players because, Sam, I feel like the number one guy, he's the number one guy on my list, and I feel like he's going to be the most influential player in the league this year. The number one guy we're going to have to look out for is Victor Wambanyana. Oh, my goodness. I almost asked before the pod if we, if he's on your list. I, was, I thought he was going to be. We haven't seen each other's list. No. It's going to be a surprise. The number one guy is Victor Wambanyana. I don't feel like we need to go into the dive of how great of a prospect he is. Everybody's already done that. We understand this guy is not only a generational talent, he's maybe the best talent that the best basketball talent we've had in the draft yeah. maybe ever as a prospect yeah maybe ever if you just think about the evolution of draft prospects and these unicorn players and where the league has come think about when Giannis comes into the league and we get the grainy footage of him in Greece he's this skinny kid he has all this ability but we don't know what'll translate what his body will look like how his game will fit on the NBA court we go from Giannis. Think about where we were at with Ch- even with Chet Holmgren last year with his body type and his skill set and the uniqueness that he was. This is all this is all peaked with with Victor Wayman. You know, I don't know if there will ever be another prospect. As is this is this just it? Is this the peak for basketball prospects? How how do you even get better than what he could potentially bring to a court? It's just it's insane. The size and his just complete skill set. Doing it at nearly seven and a half feet tall. Yeah. Him as a prospect is wild. And I think the numbers just explode off the page when you see his tangibles, how he is as a player, his smoothness. I do think that players in the future will continue to improve. I think his weight and how skinny he is is a big issue. And I do think that as players, as we get further into the future along, I think Players will get better about getting putting some weight on, having some sturdiness to them, 
because like you know Wambanyama, while you know has all these great attributes you know similar to Holgren he can be pushed around you know he he you are worried about those injuries I mean we saw the littlest tweak for Holgren and he's out the whole season you know it may have been a bigger tweak than it looked like but it didn't seem like that much pressure on the court on that contest with LeBron and um with uh, one Benyama, I have heard right now the argument is, is he a better prospect than LeBron or, you know, is he, you know, I think that's right now the main prospect he's going up against uh, in terms of history. But, I mean, he's by far, you know, the best prospect since then, since LeBron. I don't know if I put him over LeBron just because of LeBron's freak athleticism. I, I think he might have been a, probably a better handler, you know, it's, or not, yeah, handle with the ball. And then um, just watching, you know, once you look back with LeBron, it's it's close. It's close. I definitely could see people's argument for saying he's better. But, I mean, th that's still crazy that we're talking about him versus, you know, the one who made some people, I mean, I consider the best player of all time. And uh, it'll definitely be, I mean, I think you're totally right. He definitely will be dictating a lot of teams se season this year because a lot of teams are, gonna want to tank and you know even with the league keep trying to flatten out the odds and make it that teams are competitive in the playing tournament and now we might even have a mid-season tournament once you get a player like this once every couple of generations come around you, you just gotta you gotta go for it so yeah i think it's a great pick and i totally agree and almost thought about having him on my list it's funny that the weight thing with him is going to be like the one thing. He's so skinny. He's so skinny. I don't know how big you can potentially be at seven and a half feet tall and still move as well as he can on the basketball. I just don't know like how much mass you can put on at that size and still be a fluid athlete. And it seems like with his skill set, he's just going to end up making it work with the with the LeBron thing. It is, you know, it's hard to look at his career now knowing what he's done with the expect combine that with the expectations he had coming out of high school and just go. Yeah, of course, you know, it may be the greatest total basketball career that anybody has ever produced. It's hard to say is when Yana a better prospect, but you just go blank slate. You get these guys from the beginning. When Yana is just an insane, insane guy to get in on at the beginning of his career. And he's going to, he's going to split the league right down the middle of, at, so, at some point in the season, and we've even just seen it even in this offseason, teams have already positioned themselves to either be chasing a title or we're going to sell off all our assets, we're going to tank, and we're just going to do everything we can to get in position to get this guy. The Jazz did it. They got rid of their stars. The Spurs weren't really like a great team, but they sold off the one part they had in DeJounte Murray. They got the picks. They're going to try to lose as many games as possible. So I just I want to play a little game with you here real quick. I have all, right. all the I have all the teams in the league divided into three categories. The first category is the title chasers. The second category is the Wambanyana chasers. And, mm. and and the third category we'll get to in a second, but at some at some point those are going to be the only two categories that a team is going to be in in the NBA yeah. season. The teams are just going to have to make up their minds, are we going to go for the title or are we going to try to pull the plug? and get Wam Banyana. And even if they don't like the this draft just in general is loaded. There's a lot of great prospects coming out of it. But that third group of teams is the no chaser teams. It's the teams that are uh. just kind of in no man's land right now. These are teams that are just going to have to take a shot of lemonade with their season at some point because otherwise it's just 
it's going to burn too much. So I just, I want to go through, I want to go through these no chaser teams with you. And I want to see which category we think they're going to be in, but just, just so we know who's in the title chaser category right now. So in the title chasers, I got the Warriors, the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies in the West. In the East, we've got the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Miami Heat, Toronto Raptors, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, just because I, you know, they might not, they're probably not going to win the title this year. That's still a young team, but they did, you know, push their assets in to get Donovan Mitchell. They Mm -hmm. have Evan Mobley. It seems like that is the core that they're going to build around in the future. So they're kind of where they're at right now. And the teams that we know that have already started the tank or they're just, they're just going to be bad by default. We know the jazz are going to do it. The thunder, the rockets are probably not going to be good this year. Same with the Spurs. And in the East, Mm -hmm. we know the Pacers and the Hornets are probably going to be bad. The Hornets are going to be now, especially now that LaMelo's out, like, that situation is going to be very disastrous this year. Yeah. It's this, it's this third group of teams. So we have to put these teams in one of the, in one of the groups, these teams are going to be either title chasers by the end of the year, or they're going to be wham chasers. These are the teams in the West. I want to ask about the Dallas Mavericks. Number one, obviously Doncic is there. Yeah. Obviously they're going to try to compete. They're going to compete, but they do kind of feel like one of these gray area teams and just like they're, they're going to be in the title chaser category, but they're going to, they're going to be on, they're going to be on the low end of that. And Luke Luke is a great player. Luke is a generational talent, but right now I have him in that, in that gray zone of teams that we just, it's just like, I don't don't know. They're going to, they're going to be in the middle of the year and all Mm. these teams, they're just, they're going to be in the middle of the year. So the Mavericks, like, we we can just go ahead and put them in the title chasers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless Donjic has a serious injury or even an injury that could be reoccurring, they're probably still pushing for a title. Same same with the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have to go in the title chaser category at this point. Yeah, they're just too good to be bad now. Like, they they kind of figured out what they're doing, and I really love what Chris French has done with them. The Pelicans? The Pelicans go in the title chasers. I mean Zion, man. Yeah, it has to be. It'd be uh, Ingram. Yeah, there's just too much talent on that roster. Yeah, the Pelicans might actually be like competing for the Western Conference this year. So I have no problem putting. Yeah, them like they, they could be an well. elite team if they if they really click. Yeah. The two teams in the West that are really going to be stuck in the middle. The Blazers and the Kings. Hmm. Yeah. And then and then in the East, the Bulls. Where are they going to be at at the end of this? Are they going to be title chasers? Are they going to be Wambanyana chasers? I feel like there's a large range of outcomes for where, for where this season will go. The Bulls might even come up, come up later, talking about where this season may go. But I feel like potentially that they they also have a wide range of outcomes. This team, they have this, they have kind of the stars with DeRozan and Levine there. But it feels like again they're in that middle spot. It feels like they're just kind of going to be let loose. Atlanta's got a young core. They've got, you know, they made the move for Murray this offseason. They gave up picks, but again, they're going to be in the middle. The Knicks, like, can we call the Knicks title chasers? Mm-hmm. No, I think I think the Hornets are more title chasers than the Knicks, honestly. I mean, they're trying to chase the title, but I don't think they're going to do anything. The Wizards, 
Because if, if Beal's there and he's playing, he's a $50 million a year yeah. guy. He's also got the potential to lead the league in scoring. Beal single-handedly could take him out of the Wambanyana chaser category. They could be in the mix for the play-in game. But again, that's going to be a weird gray area team. And then the Pistons and the Magic would be two teams that I think I don't think they're going to try to be tanking for Wambanyana. They've got a lot of young stars on their teams. They're going to try to be, quote-unquote, competing, but they're going to be stuck at the bottom of the playoff race. It's going to be interesting. So it's just it's going to be interesting this year to see how the league divides because I think this is going to be the biggest split we've ever had between teams tanking and teams chasing the title. Yeah, I think I think uh, not just because I love Lamelo, but I do think the Hornets will be a little bit more competitive than tanking for uh, Victor. And I do think that there will be, you know, I, he he's only out one to two weeks, so he should be back. And I think it'll be pretty competitive. But I think teams like the Wizards, like those teams, it, it's it's a weird spot because there's just so many teams that are going to be tanking all at the same time for Victor. Then it's at that point where it's like, does it make sense for us to tank? Can we tank? I mean, like the Wizards just have like too many solid players. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what teams like the Jazz do with, you know, the few little bit of talent they have left with like Conley and some other pieces. If they're going to continue to trade or buy out their uh, contracts and really just, you know, pretty much come a G- become a G League team. Uh, but I think I think that's a very it's going to be a very good mindset to have this next season is who's who's actually trying and who's tanking for uh, Victor because yeah like you mentioned I mean that's that's going to be the focus this next year with you know just such good such a good prospect so hey you had anything left or should we move on to my first guy first guy here for watching on watch on the Samson watch. I gotta go. We're we're all of these are NBA players. Well, well, I think we'll get back to guys who are actually on the court now. That's the only um, non NBA guy I have. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I would I would have done the same thing too. So, uh, we gotta go. Kick it off with Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think he's honestly the key to whether the whether how far the Grizzlies go. Now, Desmond Bain. Has shown to has shown growth, like we mentioned. I mean, he's been he was the most improved player last year, and um, or was it Jaw Murray? I think it was it was Jaw, right? But he oh, it was like, Jaw, but he trophy. gave it to Bane as like a little video thing. Yeah, yeah, and it should have been Bane. But watching, I mean, watching that team though, it's it's definitely they're they're a whole nother level with three, Jaron Jackson Jr. because. Desmond Bain kind of does the same stuff that Moran does, just at a kind of obviously at a worse level, you know, just because he's not, you know, he's not Morant. So, you know, and he's still a solid player. It's no knock against him. But Jerry Jackson brings different kind of uh he brings, I mean, defense, him as a big man. And with him, he just keeps defeating himself. It's his own mistakes in terms of getting into foul trouble, you know. Is his biggest issue is getting in foul trouble. And I mean, him as a shooter, there was a game, I think, where he had like four or five threes. I mean, so with Jackson, you can see the ceiling. You can see, I mean, he could become a really good, you you could become an all star. It's just he's got to clean up, you know, some of the fouls and stuff. And if he can take another step with how deep this team is, how strong this team is, and them just continuing to improve, I think you're really make them really competitive for the top of the West and 
probably title favorites if if he's the one if he's really if he becomes their second best player and pushes for the first. It's hard not to go back and watch that playoff series against Golden State and watch just how unstoppable John ja Morant was. Like Golden State just had no answers for Morant. They they couldn't do anything about it. He could get to the rim whenever he wanted. He was unstoppable in that playoff series against Golden State. You know that that's just that's just going to be there for Golden State. John ja Morant's going to be better. He's going to be a star in the league. But Jaron Jackson is kind of that two-way defense, three-point shooter that they need out there. And it's just, if he can stay healthy, because he's already hurt to start the season, who knows when he'll be back. They're hoping maybe November, but you just, it doesn't seem likely that he's going to be back that fast. I don't know if he'll, honestly, if we'll see him in 2022. I think the Grizzlies would be very lucky to have him back before the calendar flips over to 2023. But again, in that playoff series against Golden State, he had a game where he was what? He was four for six from three. I felt like he was just like, oh, if he's going to hit these three pointers, then the Grizzlies are basically right there with all these these Western Conference teams for competing to get to the finals. And I think over the offseason, I think you you were asking me, what's your early offseason pick to go to the finals? And I was, you know, Grizzlies Bucks is just a tempting matchup to not pick again because of the upside that Morant brings of what Jaron Jackson's there. But yeah, but again, the the health thing, like it's it's already it's already affecting him. It's been there his his whole career. So it is, yeah, we have to keep an eye on Jaron Jackson, but maybe it's, can we keep an eye on Jaron? Can we keep an eye on his ankles? Can we keep an eye on his leg? What's 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 hurt right now? Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's take a cute, it, 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 his foot. Like like Jaron Jackson's foot is is the issue here. So hopefully, hopefully he can stay healthy because if Morant is doing what he did in the playoffs last year to Golden State, then that team is way, way closer to being to the Western Conference. Like, it's it's right now for this team, which is still one of the youngest cores in the league. Yeah, and that's the scary part. And But, you know, you never want to, you know, take it for granted, the window, oh, well, they have a decade or something, because you never know. Um, and, yeah, Jaron is coming into his fifth year in the league. He's only, you know, he's only 23. And... Um, you know, he's definitely injury issues have been his whole issue every year. Played 58 games, 57, 11 and 21 season and then 78 games the most last year. Um, So he almost completed a season last year playing games. But like you mentioned, he's hurt again. So, you know, just watching him play. He's just, you know, health is obviously one of the main issues. Also fouling. So if he can get out of his own way. I mean, he could really get this Memphis thing going. And I mean, it's it's really I mean, considering their other pieces, you know, if they just get a little contribution from their bench. I mean, I don't know what team could honestly stop them. They need they need the bench stuff because they need some depth. It's it's weirdly like it's a team that we look and go. Yes, they have a lot of young pieces. They have a lot of assets, but just talent in playoff games competing for titles. It's it's a top heavy team. So they need all these guys to be healthy for a deep playoff run. They need Moran to stay healthy. They're going to need Bain to stay healthy for a full season. They're again, they're just they're going to need Jaron Jackson to not only stay healthy for a full season, but he's going to have to come back from a surgery that's going to potentially keep him out for six plus months. And he's going to have to come back and produce at a very, very high level this year. And we we think that they can that they can compete this year if he can get do that. But I mean that this is why this is why he's on your list because it's going to be one of those can can he do that can he not only recover and get back on the court but can he get back to full health in time for them to try to make a deep playoff run this season? 
Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. Uh did you want to mention your next player? The second guy on my list. I've been I've been c- conducting the train that if the Lakers want to fix this situation with what what the the roster that they've constructed right now in Los Angeles, the only way to get out of this rut is to trade Anthony Davis. So my the second guy I have on my list is Anthony Davis. I know I feel I feel gross talking about the Lakers. I'm probably going to have to go take a shower after this. But, probably. But this it it's Anthony Anthony Davis is just going to regardless of what happens, Anthony Davis is going to be the secret to the Lakers success this year. Whether you know whether whether it's going to be it's going to be is, is a team going to buy him and you know give him assets and give him depth and sort of set this roster in a better spot or is he going to come back and be and be healthy for a full year? Is he going to produce at the level that he was in the bubble that he was in New Orleans? Because we know what the Lakers outside of that bubble season, it was a great run. We can debate all we want about the validity of that bubble title. It was a, it was a, they were playing very, very high level basketball, but in a normal NBA season, 82 games, normal schedule, the Lakers have not had a lot of success. They haven't even gotten out of the first round of the playoffs outside of that bubble season. So this Anthony Davis is, situation is going to be something to keep an eye on he's under contract for three more years this year he's 29 he's making 37.9 million next season at 30 he's going to be making 40 million and then the 2024 25 season he's going to be at 43 million if he opts into this player option i know i know i've been saying they need to trade davis this is the only way they're going to get out of this they need to get depth around lebron Maybe they get some assets as well to just set this roster in another direction. Because again, this roster just hasn't been successful over the course of a normal NBA season. If you're going to pick a star to build around between LeBron and Davis, you're still you're still going to pick LeBron nine times out of ten for the for just the next three to four year window, regardless of any situation. So, I guess my question to you, Sam, is: Do you think that Anthony Davis will finish the season on the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah, yeah, I do. I I think it'll be really hard pressed to trade AD, and you know, and two K might be the smart decision. But there's just so many other factors off the court that it'll just. There's no way he's leaving since time immemorial. Lakers have said, you know, if anyone's getting traded, it's probably gonna have to be um, Russell Westbrook. And you know, now that they brought in Pat Bev and have that weird backcourt. You know, it's very unlikely anyone's leaving and this season's going to suck for them. And it's it's not going to look great. And, you know, maybe they'll have one or two wins where, you know, they didn't see it coming and you'll see them on social media going crazy. But at the end of the day, this team is still, you know, it's still rough. It's still in shambles. Um, They've never really recovered since that bubble season. I mean, they just got rid of players and, um you know, with AD, it's just he's getting older. He's no longer a young player. And this season's kind of a make or break for him in terms of, like, are you an elite player? Are you going to actually play games? Because I think, you know, people have been sick and tired. They've been sick and tired of him missing time on the court. And, you know, even if they are injuries and stuff like that, I mean, there's still – still there's still ways you can take care of your body still ways to prevent those injuries and you know chances are lebron has been playing through injuries that he's gotten picked up so he may be looking at like ad like oh why can't you play through it or something so 
it just seems like AD is always out. And at some point it's gotta it's gotta count against him. I mean, not showing up to work, you you know, it's it's gotta count against him. And this is this is why I had to mention Victor Wambanyana first. Because Anthony Davis has all the makings of the next unhappy superstar. Like the path is just there for him to be the guy that teams go, yeah, he's going to want out. Let's go ahead and push our chips into the table. Let's give up assets to get this guy. But with with a prospect like Victor Wembanyama hanging out there, and as we just discussed, the league is going to go in two directions. You're going to have to make up your mind at some point whether or not you want to tank for this guy or whether or not you want to push your chips into the middle of the table. I wonder if this is going to be the season where we don't see that unhappy superstar move made because teams are not going to want to have to give up those assets. The teams that are kind of on the edge that are like, okay, we're one move. Maybe we're one move away. Maybe we do this and we add a little excitement to our roster. Maybe this is something that kind of just pushes us into the title conversation. Are teams going to be less willing to do that because if they sacrifice their assets for this guy, maybe that misses out on the potential of getting Victor Wambanyana. That's why he had to be first, because that thing's just going to loom over the season this whole this whole year. So the, the Lakers, in a way, might just kind of, they might just be, quote-unquote, stuck with Anthony Davis this year. Like, who's, of course, yeah, of course you would want him on your team, but just knowing the landscape and knowing the season where we go, are we going to see that unhappy superstar trade made during the season? Our team's going to be willing to start doing this kind of stuff with Van Banyana hanging out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, I mean, that's exactly the point we brought up earlier where it's like, you know, does it make sense to tank even with the, or not to tank, especially with, even with the playing tournament, you know, it's still, still, you know, it's, it's still really hard to get in the, or it still it still doesn't make sense. It's still hard to get into the tanking race late, especially when you have, you know, when you're trying throughout the season, you're trying to develop players, and then you're like, oh, did try to blow it out in the middle of the season. You know, it's gonna be hard for them to try to get the race to the bottom because you know there's just so many other teams in the way. So a lot of teams they gotta commit early, and I don't think the Lakers will, and they'll be stuck in the middle zone with no ring and no Banyama unless. <laughs> Some crazy, crazy odds happen because, you know, LeBron's on that team and AD and all of them. And I, yeah, I think, I think LeBron is expecting his son to be picked up by someone else, probably not their team, especially considering how few draft picks they have. So they're probably should be tanking, but they got too many players and too much pride to do that. So we'll see. We'll see what they, what they do um, with that situation. Can they trade? Can they trade Davis for the rights for Bronny? Maybe, maybe. I think he. Would... <laughs> yeah, I don't know how fast he would do that. Pretty quick though. I do have two Anthony Davis trades. Should we? Should we save them, Sam? Should we save them for after opening night? I think they're not ready for it. They're not ready. I don't yet. think we should debut the Anthony Davis trades yet because I mean I I do agree with. What we were saying, I think that the Lakers are going to ride this out. I don't think Davis is going to be the one they're going to move at the end of the year. I think Davis and LeBron are going to be on the Lakers when the season ends, when they're eliminated again in the first round of the playoffs. But maybe after opening day, after they play, after they lose, after everybody's doing the, oh, the Lakers, what's going on? Is this, are we running it back? Is this going to be another disastrous year? Then I will, 
I will debut the Anthony tr- Davis trades, but we'll move on. What's what's your next guy, Sam? All right. So the second person on Sam's interested starting lineup. There was actually a lot of talk, a lot of whirlwind around this person over the over this past offseason, and that would be Jalen Bronson. I really liked what he did in that Dallas Mavericks series, I think, and obviously so did the Knicks. You know, obviously they're clearing cap space for him. I feel like he's a Hall of Fame superstar, but I'm kind of happy to see him get his kind of his own team. I mean, Randall's still there, but at this point, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Randall. He's, he was really on the decline last year. And I, I kind of want to see if he can be the best player on a solid team. And, well, I mean, we'll get the chance to see that. I, I mean, obviously the Knicks were wilding out with what they were doing for trying to clear cap space for him. But the Dallas, Dallas is definitely worse after losing him. And the Knicks are better because they have him. And he's, I mean, he's just going to be him coming, him starting now. We'll see with that increased usage if he continues that efficiency. But watching him, this, especially over this playoff series, I think playoff series definitely raised his ceiling, but the floor has always been high with him. And he's just a solid player to um, when you, when you see him play. For all the jokes that were out there about the Brunson sweepstakes, the worst sweepstakes that we've ever had, this is, the Knicks all-in move is going for Jalen Brunson. You know, for, for all the jokes that are out there, he did he was better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. His numbers jumped up. He was 16 points a game in the regular season, 21 points a game in the playoffs. A lot of that is usage, but, you know, with the increased usage came increased production from Jalen Brunson. Not a lot of guys can say that when it comes to their careers. And Dallas was a 50... 53 win team last year and Brunson was kind of their only, you know, Doncic can be any position. We saw that with the GM survey. I think he was voted like the number three guy at he's the number three small forward in the league, number three shooting guard in the league, number three point guard in the league. Like Doncic can just do everything. But outside of that, he was the only true ball handler point guard, give the ball to him and he could run a team. And he ran it so well that they actually, beat the Jazz in the playoffs to the point where Danny Ainge was like, yeah, this is it. We're going to sell off all our parts. So mm-hmm. the, the Knicks the Knicks have that guy on their roster now. He's there. The Knicks have not made a move for a guy with that kind of production in a while, and it'll be interesting to see with his development. You know, now Barrett's playing with a real point guard. Now Randall's playing with a real point guard. So it just it's going to make everything in New York run smoother. And, you know, this is not the high-end, all-star, all-pro-level New York guy, but this is an up, a major, major upgrade. This is a stud player. This is a guy that's just going to make everything on this offense run better than it has. Hopefully, he brings Randall back as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, they definitely, I mean, considering if they're trying to compete, which they are, or it seems like they are with bringing in Brunson, especially for such an aggressive price, they'll need to bring Randall back and... You know, obviously, I don't think they're going to do anything too crazy in terms of winning a show or something. But, you know, like you mentioned, it is nice to see a player like Brunson, who sometimes, you know, carried the Mavericks, especially when Doncic was on the bench or out. And um, now with him on the Knicks, you know, hopefully he's able to figure out a role there, kind of like a main ball handler, you know, not main scorer, though, but main like playmaker kind of deal on that team. And, you know, if it, it, it's definitely, definitely interesting to see 
you know, him get a new chance because, you know, because of one playoff series, a couple games, it's kind of funny, like you mentioned the jokes. But I really do think there is talent. I really do think there's a high ceiling there and maybe an all-star, um, you know, nothing, not Hall of Fame or something crazy like that. But, you know, it's the Knicks. So we'll definitely hear about it if he's good because, you know, of, the, of media and New York. So, well, it'll definitely be easy to keep an eye on him. And his contract gets cheaper every year as well. It goes 27 mil, 26 mil, 24, 24. That's not that bad. I know I know the price went higher than maybe what we thought his overall value was. We thought he was going to be maybe in the low 20, 20 million dollar a year range. But that's that's what guys like Anthony Simons are going to get. He's going to get 20 million dollars yeah. a year. Jordan Poole's going to get $20 million a year. Jordan Poole's more playoff proven than Anthony Simons is. Anthony Simons is good, but if you're you're paying Brunson a couple million dollars a year more than that guy, and that guy has never really done anything in a playoff series, Brunson has, as you mentioned, and you've been you've been kind of one of the lead guys in the Brunson fan club this whole time of this guy in a playoff, he's just good. He's just good in a playoff series. So to get that guy on your team under $30 million a year. You know, who knows what kind of all-star accolades he get. But again, I think that's going to be a real favorable deal as the years go along, especially with what we know is going to happen to the salary cap coming up with the new TV deal and what kind of contracts these guys are going to be making. He's going to be making $24 million a year at 25, 26. That could be a real bargain. He's going to be 29. Hopefully you would assume he gets better every, every, you know, every year going forward. And maybe in a larger role too, that gives him a chance to increase. So that that contract is going to potentially be a real favorable deal as well. So yeah, yeah, you know the Knicks. It's like, hey, it's not Durant, it's not Donovan Mitchell, but Jalen Brunson's good, and he's he's going to make Knicks fans happy this year, and he's going to make the play-in games insane. The Knicks Hawks play-in rivalry is in full swing. Yeah, that's one of the better rivalries in the league right now. And, um, you know, with them complaining with each other and uh, in the playoffs a couple of years back and that whole that whole series that went down. And, um, yeah, with the Knicks, you know, it's it's definitely they're, they're especially with Tom Thibodeau as their coach. It's definitely a whole team kind of thing. They don't really focus in on one player. So it'll be interesting to see how a ball handler fits into that as, you know, the team is, you know, towns kind of spread out, you know in terms of different players here and there. You know, Julius Randle's supposed to be their best player, best player, but, I mean, he had a really rough year last year. So there's a hole for a leader on this team, and Brunson can really step into that role. And I really like this trade for him because, I, you know, I have a little bit of faith of art in RJ and Mitchell Robinson, but, you know, it's maybe misplaced. Um, but um, who's, who's your next person, Rem? My third guy. I'm, I'm kind of working backwards here in terms of the positions we're going biggest to smallest it looks like my third guy the number one overall pick in the draft the guy who i thought i thought he was the best rookie in the draft that is paulo bancaro i know that there was sort of a top three when it came to around the time of the draft it was who do you like paulo do you like chet do you like jabari you kind of have to pick your guy who were you all in on i was team paulo i wasn't always team paulo as well i kind of Throughout the course of the college basketball season, Jabari Smith was the guy that I was like, you know, his skill set, his versatility, his size, just what he brings to a court. It's going to translate. It's going to work. 
and sort of just the baseline safety you get with a guy like Jabari, he's going to be productive. That's kind of the guy you have to go with number one, but the season happened. We got into March madness and you're watching Ban Carroll on this Duke team. That is yeah. Duke teams are always very talented. There's always a lot of five-star guys there, but not, they don't always, the team doesn't always make sense on the court together. And that was kind of the case last season, except for the fact that Paulo Bancaro made that Duke team make sense with his basketball IQ and his understanding of the game. And just, it seemed like he was on a different level playing in March Madness. I know Duke got eliminated, but Bancaro was great. And I, I feel like Bancaro has a chance to be one of the most impactful rookies we've seen in recent history. If you go back and look at top three picks over the last five years, Whose team has had the biggest win increase with bringing in one of these top three picks? We'll go top three. The third biggest win increase for a team drafting in a top three the last five years. Tied for third, Luka Doncic, Mavericks, and Lonzo Ball when he went to the Lakers. Those teams both won nine more games the next season. The Mavericks with Luka went from 24-58 and to 33-49. and Lonzo's Lakers went from 26 and 56 to 35 and 47. Number two would be LaMelo Ball. His team won 10 more games when he came in. They went from 23, 42 to 33 and 39. And then the most impactful rookie in terms of wins. And this is obviously no shot, no surprise. He's maybe the guy you would rather. He's maybe the guy you'd want to have out of all these guys. That'd be Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's Cavs won 22 more games by bringing him in. They were 22 and 50 the season before. And then with Mobley this past season, they were 44 and 38. I'm really high on what this Magic team has in terms of talent. I think their starting lineup is going to be really, really solid this year. And I think they're going to have a chance to potentially compete for the play in game as well and just be in that bottom of the Eastern Conference. I just, I think they're going to be in the mix. And if you look at, who was in the play-in game in the Eastern Conference last year? The next, the Nets won 44 games, the Cavs won 44 games, the Hawks won 43 games, and the Hornets won 43 games. The Orlando Magic last year won 22 games. They were 22 and 60. If they're gonna be in that play-in game, they're gonna need to get to that 43, 44 win mark. That puts Ben Carroll right on pace with Evan Mobley with a 22 win increase, maybe even 23 wins if they're able to, you know, get up into that 44, 45 win range. I I feel like that, again, that magic starting lineup has a lot of talent. You know, Suggs, we we both were high on Suggs when he came into the league. I feel like there's there's really no reason to sell your Suggs stock at this point. I think he's going to be. Yeah, I still got it. Franz Wagner, Michigan man. He's going to continue to get better. And Wendell Carter, too, if you watch him in the preseason, he might just be unlocked this year with what's going on. But Ben Carroll is going to be the best player on that team. He's going to make everything go. And if the Magic are going to be in that playing game, again, they're going to be in that 22 to 23 win increase this year. That's going to be the biggest increase we've seen in the last five years. It's also the biggest increase in Magic history. When they drafted Shaq in 91, they won... 21 games the year before they won 41 games the next year after they brought in Shaq. It would make him not only the most impactful rookie in recent history, but the most impactful rookie in magic history. And they're, they're over under this year is only 27 and a half wins. So if, if you're looking for some futures, I 
trust me, I'm already on all the magic stuff as we record this. So I'm, I'm high on Ben Carroll. I thought he was the best rookie in the class. I feel like watching summer league, he proved that as well. We, we haven't even gotten to regular season basketball yet. And I feel like the farther away we get from the draft, the more I feel confident that Ben Carroll was the number one pick watching all the, you know, Chet's hurt. Who knows what his career ultimately will turn out to be. But in my mind, Ben Carroll is clearly the number one guy and not just this year. I feel like it's also in recent history as well, where Ben Carroll has a chance to be the most impactful rookie we've seen in the last several years. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Carroll can really step into that role from day one. I mean, there's not much competing with him and those guards are going to have to learn to adjust with it, especially Cole Anthony. And, um, yeah, I definitely, um, it's definitely interesting to see, like, I guess Scotty Barnes, you know, two seasons or last season was pretty impactful. Um, but that was about it. You know, Cade Cunningham didn't do that much. I think he was injured for most a good chunk of the year and then came back. But um, the Magic definitely this next year, it could surprise some people if, you know, Suggs and Anthony could take a step forward, be more solid. More friends Wagner. He's continue. He'll continue to be better just considering his mentality, you know. And, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where they land in terms of being good and being bad and whether they're tanking or actually trying because at some point you can only get together so many talent before you got to actually start developing it. And, you know, the Hornets and the the team we were just talking about are both in that position, but now it's kind of weird to talk because, you know, now you're, you know, now now they've been for the last several decades or not decades, but a whole lot of like the last couple of years, they've been continuing to tank and tank and tank. And now they finally got their young players. They got their number one option. And now they're now they're looking to actually develop this talent and they need to get this timeline going because these guys aren't getting any younger. They got they just now recently got rid of some of their old guard with Vucevic and Mo Bamba and some of those older guys. But now they got their guys, so it's like, yeah, it's time to get going. And I think the fans are feeling it too. Definitely listening to some of their higher profile fans. They 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 need they need to see some wins. They need to see some some of these turn into W's. And um one but yammer or not, you know, at some point these young players are gotta start winning. Which is a perfect segue into one of my other picks, which kind of went off of your earlier conversation with, are the Pelicans title chasing or are they going back? It's pretty easy, but I got Zion on this list just because he's fun to watch. Uh, but, you know, same thing with him. You know, you're, you've gone through all this stuff. That whole fiasco last season, you know, where they're, you know, one minute making him look like Kool-Aid man and the next minute he's all skinny and stuff. He's in Portland for training, you know, on the other side of the country. And then be uh, Brandon Ingram's playing well. But then it's, you know, would he play this well with Zion? And, you know, Herb Jones comes onto the scene. And just so much going on with his team. Now they finally are all together. They all got their roster. Zion's gotten his games in, you know. He looks healthy. And now it's time to see. He really needs to take off. I think he has a record for the most per 40 in the one year he actually played and they paid him. They gave him the rookie max. And now it's, it's time. It's time for him to start showing some results. You had Zion on your, I almost put Herb Jones on my list. Cause I was watching mm. a preseason game where they were playing the bulls and he had a couple back to back threes. And it was just, 
you know, if his shooting continues to be really consistent with the defense that he brings to this team, that whole lineup has a chance to just be a real scary, athletic, long lineup with Zion, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram. The C.J. McCollum trade as well can't be overrated. He got better going yes, to New yeah. Orleans than he was in Portland. In Portland last year, he was 20 points a game. In New Orleans, he was up to 24 points a game, and that includes him being a more efficient shooter as well. So the situation was better for McCollum. He was able to do some point guard stuff as well, being a little a little more creative. I guess w- with the Pelicans thing, Zion is the generational star when they drafted him. He is the franchise corner piece, but Brandon Ingram is there. And in the playoff game against the Phoenix Suns, they were competitive and Brandon Ingram was doing whatever he wanted to in the Suns in that series. He was getting to his spots on the floor. So Zion's the guy, but this still might be Brandon Ingram's team watching him in the playoffs. You know, he, he still might be the guy when the, when they need a shot at the end of the game, they're probably going to end up going to Brandon Ingram when they need it. So th- there's a lot of weapons on this Pelicans team. They're going to be a sleeper team in the West. They're your they're your team for the 2022 NBA season. And, and, and they've got depth as well. Like Trey Murphy's a young guy that a lot of people like. Valanchunas is still there. So Dyson this is gonna, Daniels. Dyson Daniels, we both like, yeah. like that pick. Dyson Daniels, I think, was one of the picks from the Anthony Davis trade as well. So just yeah. another, another thing the Lakers missed out on. Just <laughs> a, a great piece that they absolutely... Absolutely could have used, but we're, we're, we're both excited for this, for this Pelicans season. I mean, Zion is clearly great. You mentioned the per per 40 stuff. Hopefully healthy too. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see him for a full season because we want to see him on the court, but it's, it's not better that he's a mystery right now, but the only thing we have is these per 40 numbers that say Zion is amazing. So once he gets out on the court and actually plays, you know, I'm not saying he's not going to be not going to be awesome, but will he be as awesome as those per 40 minute numbers suggest? We'll, we'll see. I, I believe in Zion. And it, I think in your notes too, it didn't just say Zion. It said rip Zion Williamson as well, right? It was shredded yoked mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth Thor Zion Williamson. Cause he looks, he looks good coming into this off season. No, he does. He does. And he knows what time it is because of the whole injury thing and how long he was gone. There's just so much drama around this team. And now I'm happy that, you know, Griffin has really done a great job bringing all this talent together. I mean, they were competing with a a historical number one seed without Zion. You know, they pushed him to six games and um, they had no business being that close with them. And, um, yeah, I definitely can't wait to see what uh, Zion is going to do this next year because he's just a fun player to watch. So I'd be watching him anyway. Would you um, pick? Would you pick the? Would you pick the Pelicans in a playoff series right now versus Phoenix? Fully healthy Pelicans, fully healthy Phoenix. Off-season drama coming off the playoff collapse. They're selling the team. They got beat by a bunch of nobodies in the preseason. Would would you feel confident picking the Pelicans over the 64 win Phoenix Suns right now in next season in a playoff series? We haven't even seen a minute of basketball yet. Exactly. Well, yeah, in terms of running the team for a while. I mean, he played some preseason games, but um, yeah, I mean, I definitely could see myself taking that team if CJ continues to produce. Um, that Dallas ending was just rough and then them losing against the 36ers. And right now the mental state of that team is not great. 
you know, it's 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 definitely in, in trouble right now. So dealing with all the off court owner stuff. So I gotta, I, yeah, I think I'd pick the Pelicans to be honest. I, th- I think they I think they would beat them. Just you know, maybe even more talented than them. I mean, you look at you know who they have on the Pelicans, and it's it's a pretty close argument in terms of who they have. It's, I mean, obviously the Suns are more, you know, with Devin Booker, but as Chris Paul gets older, who knows? And then DeAndre Ayton's ability or talents are less valuable as Paul gets older and, you know, isn't able to be on the court more. And of course, campaign can't replace what he did. So it's, it's an interesting argument to see who would be better, who is better this next season, fully healthy. And they have the Chris Paul stopper. They have Alvarado. They do. Just put him on Chris Paul. He's done. Get that pickpocket in. Um, so who do you have as your fourth player, Rem? My fourth guy is a guy that we're just we're happy to have back. The Nuggets are happy to have him back because he's missed over 500 days of basketball, sat out all of last season. No, it's not Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter mm-hmm. Jr. did play nine games last season. The only Nugget star that didn't play all of last season was Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray's my fourth guy. If we go back to the bubble, we remember watching Murray. Murray was just insane in the bubble, wow. in the playoffs. That Jazz Nugget series was iconic from a scoring standpoint, what him and Mitchell were doing against each other. In in the 19 playoff games they played, the Nuggets played in the bubble, Murray was 26.5 points a game, 6.5 assists, and he was almost he was just a just so close to being a 50 40 90 guy he was 50 percent from the field 45 percent from three 89.7 from the free throw line so he's basically a free throw away from being a 50 40 90 guy come into the season after the bubble he has a slow start that season the first 22 games of the 2021 season he's 18 points four assists a game 44, 34, 78 shooting splits. That was for the first 22 games. Kind of a slow start. Not really the Jamal Murray we saw in the bubble. But if you go, the last 25 games he played before he got hurt. And the last the last game he played was April, April 12th, 2021. We're going to take that game out because he came off of a four-game missed stretch. So he was already kind of hurt when that happened. So if you just go the last 25 consecutive games Jamal Murray played he was 24 points a game five assists and he actually was a 50 40 90 guy 50 percent from the field 46 percent from three and 93 percent from the free throw line so murray was actually kind of getting back to playing at that elite bubble level we saw him do in orlando he was getting back in rhythm he was continuing the hot streak and Jokic has been the best offensive player in the Western Conference the last couple of years. You know, no disrespect to Stephen Curry, but Jokic has, you know, especially last year, done more with less. And now they get Michael Porter Jr. back healthy. And now they get Jamal Murray back healthy, who, like we just said, not only in the bubble, but even coming out of the bubble, was one of the better offensive guards in the league. The Nuggets, Sam, I, right now they're their fourth best odds in the Western Conference. They're behind Golden State, behind the Clippers, behind Phoenix. But Jokic is the back Jokic is back-to-back MVP. And now now they're fully healthy. And not only fully healthy, but like we just said, Jamal Murray has the potential to be one of the better offensive guards in the league. And if you go and you look at that playoff series last year against the Warriors, 
Yeah, Jokic got a lot of crap for the defense he played. The Warriors made an effort to attack, attack, attack. But game three, they lost to the Warriors by five points. Game four, they won by five points. And then game five, they lost by four points. They were leading 78 to 70 entering the fourth quarter. So as that season, as that series went along, the Nuggets were kind of starting to figure some stuff out. And that's with Jokic playing with Will Barton, with Monte Morris. Those were the other two leading scorers for that series for the Nuggets. They're keeping these games close. And Jokic is doing everything he can. He's 30 points a game. He's doing everything on the court. So Jokic finally with some help. Jamal Murray's back healthy. I, I'm kind of starting to talk myself into the Nuggets maybe being the team coming out of the West. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely it's definitely interesting to see this next year, um, what which teams will definitely step up, um, and uh, with Jamal Murray, um, I mean, this team has been always labeled the Nuggets as the sleeping giants of the West because of injuries. They constantly are in and out. You know, whether they'll mesh together or not. And that little bit where they're all healthy, it was really scary. And I can't wait, obviously, for Michael Porter because he's my guy on this team to come back. But Jamal Murray showed in the bubble, you know, that he can do it. He can carry on their own when they need it at times um, with that duel with Mitchell. And um, and all. oh, yeah. And also they have the reigning back-to-back MVP on their team. Yeah. The seven-footer who is just great at dishing the ball out and all that. So, you know, I think actually not having all those players all around Jokic is going to help him this next year because now he has even better players all around him. So that's going to improve his game. Jamal, you know, coming back, he has someone to fall back on because I think even when before Jokic was hurt, we knew he was great, but we didn't know if he could really carry a team. You know, even during that playoff series, it was like, oh, is Jamal like going to be the number one for this team? And now he's, you know, everyone's been hurt and this team's been a mess so long, you know. That after all this time, it's like, oh, Jokic is a bona fide star. You know, he can actually hold the weight of this team. So that I think that finally that trust allows the other superstars or stars to take some time to get back into it and um, you know, not rush into anything and get injured again. Because I think that was the issue previously is they kept rushing into everything and um that's why they were hurt for so long. So yeah, the Nuggets have been a team that I've liked for a while, and I'm really happy to see them healthy. Can't wait to see what they do this next year. And they went out and got deeper this offseason as well. They trade for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who was one of the most important pieces to that Lakers run just in terms of being a two-way guard and a consistent three-point shooter. So he's kind of a nice off-the-ball, can spot up while Jamal Murray's doing his creative thing, but he's also he can also guard the other team's best guard, which Jamal Murray can't do. They can have him out on the court, at least, you know, competing and running around with these guys. They bring in Ish Smith. Bones Highland's also there. We saw him have to take a bigger role it last season. So with him having to take a step back, but getting those minutes, getting that experience, being the guy we saw his potential scoring ability, having him coming off the bench. And Bruce Brown, who was just who was just nothing but productive on the Nets. They were consistently using him in different ways being creative with how getting him near the basket and pick and rolls being the role man creating out of, you know, the, that sort of middle of the paint area, short roll, creative guy. So just another guy with playoff experience that doesn't necessarily have to start for, you know, in Brooklyn, it's like Bruce Brown needs to be on the court. He needs to be one of the five guys out on the court. He's just one of the better players we have on this team. He has the luxury of coming off the bench. 
of giving them versatility. And that Warriors matchup in the first round last year was a bad matchup. Because of those injuries and because of the lack of depth in that team, they sort of fell to the sixth seed last year. They're not going to be the sixth seed again. Phoenix yeah. was the one seed. I think we both think Phoenix is going to trend down. Memphis and Golden State, we both like. I think Denver's going to be better than Dallas this year. And Utah, again, they were the five seed. They sold off all their parts. They're going to be tanking for Wambanyana. So the Nuggets, I would expect to have home court advantage in the playoffs. I'd expect this team to be a top four team in the West. And that's just going to be beneficial when it comes to, you know, just let's let's just get out of the first round. And all of a sudden we're in the mix. We're competing with these guys. The Nuggets also haven't won 50 games in the last four years. The last time they won 50 games was in 2018, 19. So wow. I, I expect they'll break that streak this year. And w- yeah, with this team back fully healthy, you know, every, everybody's on the Clippers right now as sort of the favorite. And Phoenix is above them in the title odds. Like we said, we both think Phoenix is trending downward, even though they're bringing that team back. That, that situation is just a mess. And this this Draymond Golden State thing, it's not going to like, it's not going to sink their ship. They're still going to be competitive. Steph and Clay and, you know, pools emerge. Like all the pieces are still there. Steve Kerr, the infrastructure. Golden State's still going to be the top guy, but now there's potential cracks in the foundation. So the Nuggets are going to be in the mix. They're going to be, there when we get to the end of the season with these guys back and healthy and I'm having their plus 850 right now to win the Western Conference and that's that's looking tempting to me yeah it sounds tempting to me too I mean who knows how strong the top of the West really is you know the Grizzlies continue to get in their own way the Warriors you know who knows what happens with the Draymond Green thing and the Suns are a mess I mean they could really push for that beginning the top you know, number one, especially with this team that not many people have seen before. So they just have the, you know, freedom to figure it out on the fly. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to see Denver this next year because, yeah, it's about time that they started to get good. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they do this next year. And um, for my fourth player, I'm going with the. We're going back. You know, they're all young players. All these are young players because. You know, who most growth you see. And the next player I got is Tyler Hero. I think Hero, this last year, was just so important for the Heat. A team that has a bona fide star. A team that has, well, two bona fide stars in Butler and Adebayo. And they have so many pieces. Duncan Robinson just fell off the face of the earth. Everyone forgot about him. And uh, Hero had to step up. He had to be their main guy off the bench. And they just they needed his production so bad. It was kind of actually crazy how much they needed it. I mean, it was just like if he has a bad game, they're pretty much losing. So it will be interesting to see if he can take another step this next year. Um, you know, continued freedom with the ball. I mean, he knows now, you know, especially with that playoff series, it's definitely given him confidence to know that he's obviously a long term part of this team and you know, he's kind of their main guy. And um you know, he's their best shot creator on the team. And we'll see if he can continue to, if he can be even a better one this next year. It's funny when, when you're picking a guy off the heat, you know, you have a lot of options. You could go Jimmy Butler, like you said, bona fide star, not only bona fide star, but bona fide playoff star, bona fide big moment star, bona fide. We'll go toe to toe with any of the top guys in the league. Now, you know, we've seen him in the playoffs. 40 points against the Lakers and the 40 point triple double against the Lakers in the finals going toe to toe with LeBron toe to toe with Tatum and the Celtic toe to toe with Giannis and the Bucks. 
He's been awesome in playoff series. Bam has the two-way upside that you'd want from any big man in the league. I love uh-huh. Bam, just his skill set and what he brings. Maybe my favorite power forward slash center skill set in the league. And somehow Tyler Hero is the guy that, like you said, their offense rides on Tyler Hero. They run all their perimeter offense through this guy. He is the only guy that can actually get his own look from all these guards. Yeah. Yes, Kyle Lowry is there. Kyle Lowry, I'm talking to you. Tyler Hero is the only guard on your team that can create his own shot in a playoff game. If this team's going to take the next step and get over the hump, they've been in the finals, they've been in the they've been the 49ers of the Eastern Conference for a while, mm. you know, with they're in the mix, they have the the depth and they have the infrastructure that'll get them in these late round of the playoffs, they'll get them to the Eastern Conference, they'll get them to the finals. But Tyler Heroes, if Tyler Hero takes a step forward and is just awesome this year, he got paid. They're paying him like they want him to do that. That's a team that we're never going to feel confident in picking them preseason. Like, I'm never going to pick Miami over Boston. Well, maybe Boston this year without their two best coaches, but I'm not picking Miami yeah. over Milwaukee. I don't think I'm picking Miami over the Sixers with Embiid and Harden. The Raptors are an interesting team. You guys sort of go with the youth and the upside that they generate. Do I like Miami over the Raptors? But Miami's been the one team every year that is consistently, you know, making these deep playoff runs. And you got to have perimeter scoring. And that's going to come from Tyler Hero. So he got paid this offseason. They're expecting big things from him. But like you said, he's he's their guy. He's their guy. Yeah, he's their guy. He's it. And um you know, like you mentioned, in terms of perimeter scoring, now the league has just turned so much of scoring into the perimeter and layups. And it's, yeah, we'll have to also see on that team if Butler can develop a outside three, you know. And, um, it, it, you know, this team is definitely a little bit, it's a little bit teetering in terms of, you know, whether they can balance it all and pull it off. But it's close. It's very close. They're, um, they're margin for error especially with, you know, what they got going on with the team. And, uh, yeah, it's – I mean, I'm just happy to finally see, you know, Tyler he- Hero, you know, we saw some flashes here and there, and he's been more consistent every single year. But um, it'll be nice to see him get the reins if Jimmy Butler will ever give him up a little bit. You know, stuff happens in the regular season where they give him a couple games. But, uh, so, yeah, with – with the Heat, uh, this next year, um, we obviously have the Heat up there with other competitive teams, you know, with the Bucks, with the uh, Nets. I mean, I guess we'll see how good the Nets are. Um, but yeah, it's mostly the Bucks and Heat at the top. And Tyler here is going to be really the piece to see whether he can push this team over the Bucks because Giannis is just that good. Um, I mean, even with pretty decent stars around him. You know, Giannis is just such a force of nature that you need you need this team to be extra, you know, you know, one of the best heat teams in a in a while since LeBron to be that team because I mean, if if Hero is great, I mean, they'll they'll need all three. They I mean, I guess they're big 3 in the heat with Hero playing really well. Jimmy as well on both ends. And Bam Adebayo just dominating underneath. And it's going to be interesting to see what this team does because it seems always a chess match with chess match with Giannis and figuring out, oh, how can we score on him? How can you defend him with Bam Adebayo? And, um, yeah, the last team I was thinking of was the Celtics, who were just in the finals. But, yeah, that was the other elite team. 
um, in the East. But yeah, Hero decides that. Hero decides where the Heat fall into all that. And can he just can he just shoot better? Because in the playoffs last year, he was twenty two percent from three. I, I can round up twenty two point nine, twenty three percent. I'll give the man his due credit. Twenty three percent from three. Put some respect on his name. But the, yeah, that just goes back to what we were saying. This guy is the lead perimeter creator for the Heat. Can they at least get? Can they just get a no drop off in production from Tyler Hero? And then if everything else around that is still Jimmy Butler still dominant, Bam Adebayo still dominant. The Heat again, they're just they're gonna be in the mix by default yeah. because of that infrastructure and because of the depth. And we we know this team is a great regular season team. They're gonna have home court in most playoff series they play. If Tyler Hero is shooting good, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. They're gonna be in the mix. The East could be more wide open than we think. You went with a young Eastern Conference guard with your fourth guy. My fifth guy, also a young Eastern Conference guard on the 76ers. That is Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese oh. Maxey is my fifth guy. Don't mind. What, what, is he on your list? He's my last guy too. Oh, let's go. We finally had a we finally had a double. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey. One of one of the big benefits of bringing James Harden in last season, not just obviously adding him to the team, but what he did for Tyrese Maxey just from a basketball IQ standpoint, but not only the basketball IQ, but on the court as well. Even before Harden got there, Maxey was playing well. He was just he was just almost a, he was 16.9 points a game, four, 4.8 assists a game before Harden got there in 47 games. He's almost a 17.5 assists a game guy, 38% from three. Only seven players in the league did that last year, plus Kyrie Irving, who I don't I don't know if we can count Kyrie Irving in any of this stuff. He only played oh 30 games, God. and he only played once a week. So, of course, he was going to produce yeah. at a high level. But only seven guys were putting up the numbers Maxi was putting up before Harden got there. Once Harden got there, he jumps up to almost 19 points a game. He's shooting 48% from the three-point line. So the 18-point-a-game, 40% three-point club from last year would have just... If he had done that for a full season, it would have just been Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, Drew Holiday, and Carl Anthony Towns. Wow. It's it's a small list. He is not only only, a scorer for this team, but he was an efficient scorer last year as well. And they brought in Daryl Morey, and Daryl Morey has done his best to recreate what he built in the... On the Houston Rockets, if you look at the 2018, you know, if you look at the Rockets over the the run that Maury had, they now have James Harden, who was on that Rockets team, PJ Tucker, who was on that Rockets team. They signed him this offseason. They went out and brought they brought in Daniel House as well. Daniel House. Daniel House oh was a you know a, a good role player on those Rockets team. And then DeAnthony Melton they traded for, who who never played for the Rockets, but Maury drafted him. That's 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 four guys that Maury has had experience with. He mm. brought him into this team. And if if this 76er team is supposed to be an impersonation of that Rockets team, I wonder if Maxi is almost going to take the Harden role. And, you know, Harden's role in that Rockets team was insane. His usage was crazy. And the style of play, which is him running the pick and rolls and dictating everything that offense did, cannot be impersonated by anybody. But... Just in terms of Maxi being the electric scorer on this team, 
And Harden, I wonder if it's more beneficial that he takes the more quote-unquote Chris Paul role from that Rockets team where he's veteran guard, sort of a calming presence and a playmaker, and Maxi is you know handling more of the scoring duties and being efficient at it as well. And Embiid's just like this ultimate luxury wildcard MVP piece that you throw into that mix as well and just go, yeah, we're building the 2018 Rockets around Joel Embiid. But, you know, I, I think Maxi has the potential to do that. And if you look at what the Sixers have done this offseason, there was some mic'd up stuff from their training camps. And just you read all the articles, you read all the quotes from this team. The focus of this offseason was Maxi needs to be not just more aggressive, but he needs to be more in control of this team. It's Mac. Hey, Maxi, we trust you and we want you to make decisions when you have the ball. We're okay with, hey, it's my time to shoot or, hey, I got a playmate. Just we want you to be in control of what's going on on the court. So this Maxi is going to be important because the Sixers are making an effort to make him important. And he's been good in the preseason as well. He's 20 points against the Nets, six of eight shooting, 21 points against the Cavs, nine of 11 for field goals. And then they play the Cavs again. He was 19 points in that game. So he seemed to continue not only the, the good scoring, but the high efficiency as well. And he had a big load in the playoffs last year with for such a young guy. If you look and you go NBA history, guys that have scored 20 points a game or more in the playoffs, 21 years or younger that have played more than 12 games. It's a very short list. It's 99-2000 Kobe Bryant. He's 21 points a game. He played 22 games in the playoffs that year. 05-06 LeBron, 30 points a game in the playoffs, 13 points a game. It, Jamal Murray in 2018-19 was 21 points a game in 14 games. 2019-2020 Jason Tatum was 25 points a game over 17 games. And then last year it would just be Tyrese Maxey, 20 points, 20.8 points a game for 12 games. So we've seen him do it in the playoffs for a guy that's such a young age. And he's the, he's the third piece on this team. It's Embiid. It's Harden. And like we've said, they made their whole offseason built around the fact that Maxi is going to be the breakout star this year for the 76ers. Yeah. I think the Maxi before he had Harden didn't really have a really good um, mentor or person to really help him grow because now with Harden there, you know, we know Harden has had some issues of the court issues, but, you know, just having around seeing what an elite guard looks like, you know, and while Harden maybe passes years, he still has the IQ. And this team really needs to use these you prime years by Joel Embiid and Maxi is their number one answer on how. And uh, it's definitely a team that has – they have a lot of work. I wouldn't put them up with the top three. Um, but I think that they are, you know, they are really competitive. And how Maxi develops this next year is going to determine on, you know, what ways they, um, what, what, what their aspirations are for this next year and whether they're actually realistic. Because it's, it's again, loaded on both sides, like you mentioned, on the spectrum. Going into this, so going into the season, you have three other teams above the Sixers. I'm guessing Milwaukee's one of those teams, and then who else do you have above the Sixers? The Heat and the Celtics. Uh, yeah. So the Celt the Celtics without any of their head coaches, you feel more confident in that situation than what the Sixers are doing. Because I mean, I get it. The Celtics are still young. It still seems like their players should get better. But we, exactly. you know, we've said when that Adoka situation happened that the growth and the development of these players is directly tied to 
what Idoka brought to that team. So now you just take him out of it. I feel like that's kind of, you know, let, let's just see what the Celtics do. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm long-term more confident in James Harden in the playoffs and Doc Rivers in the playoffs than I am in like Tatum and Brown. But maybe the totality of what the Sixers have right now is better than what the Celtics could bring to the table. And in the in the playoffs last year, the Sixers, remember, remember Embiid was hurt in that Miami series. He missed the first two games. They end up losing that series in six. But when Embiid came back and played four games, they tied Miami two to two. And Embiid was not even playing well. He was less than 20 points a game over that stretch. So if Embiid's back, healthy for a playoff run, and Maxi takes a step up as well, that's going to make things easier on Harden. Then now we're looking at the Sixers as, okay, maybe this is maybe the best team in the in the Eastern Conference. We mentioned the Rockets impersonation. Doc Rivers is the head coach right now of the 76ers. Would you rather have Doc Rivers as your head coach? Or would you rather have Mike D'Antoni? Hmm. Mike D'Antoni. Um, that'd be that'd be an interesting. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't I don't know. That's that's a that's a thought provoking that provoking thing. You said D'Antoni and who else? What was the other option? Or Doc Rivers. You could have the current coach or you could have the coach from the Rock more could just go full rockets. Bring oh back D'Antoni, bring back the space. I already saw what happens with that and at least uh at least you know, Rivers has actually won a, has won a title, so you know, he knows what it takes. Um uh but yeah, I think I think the 76ers, I I mean, I'm really happy that we both chose them, but like we both mentioned, I think Maxie's the next person to, or is the person on this team to really push him forward. Kind of like Hero on the Heat. It's gonna be it's gonna be up to them to set the tone and figure out where this team is going. Because if they underperform, so will everyone else and or so will the team as a whole. And, you know, it'll be sad to waste another Embiid year, but they're gonna have to be special to beat all these teams in the East and get out. Because it's it's gonna be a tall task this next year, especially with Giannis just existing. I think that should be about it. I did have some runner-up players, some I guess off-court players to keep an eye on, Lillard and SGA. In terms of them leaving, they'll stick around on their teams. Um, but yeah, they're both on teams that either will be or should be tanking. But yeah, that's about it for the pod. Um, we always got football and stuff going on. Um, which we'll we'll get into later, maybe next week. Uh, you know, shout out to Chelsea. We're turning it around right now. We're gonna winning some games. We got I got a shout out. I think that's four wins in a row right now. So we're going crazy. But that's about it. Do do um, you need to do a soccer corner quick? Because yeah. what's what's going on in the Premier League with this with this guy? He's scoring all these points. I see today that Mbappe might win out a PSG as well. Yeah. So just, just maybe a quick soccer corner, Sam. What's what's going on in the abroad. world of football? Broad. Okay, so real quick with uh Premier League. Right now there there's a guy, 21-year-old, he's like six, three, six, four. And mind you, most soccer players are actually normal height. It's kind of weird. Like Mbappe, who's looks like a physical specimen. Like he's only like five, seven, five, eight. It's just kind of weird. Like, yeah, I think it's is he like really five nine at most. Yeah. I, we recently looked up this and I was like, wait, I'm taller than Kylian Mbappe, let me look this up. It's just you never yeah, think of an athlete 5'10. being he's like 5'10, that. which is still crazy because he looks huge, but he, he's only 5'10, which anyway, but yeah, 6'4, so early in Holland, came over from Germany, 
And yeah, he's been he's been killing it. I mean, in fact, today is probably the first game where the he didn't score a goal. And it was weird, like over in Premier League when he only scored one goal and his his coach was joking that, you know, maybe it's time to get rid of him or something like that. But yeah, I mean he's only nine goals away. Like I think like less than ten games into the season, he's like nine goals away from hitting the total last year, um, in terms of goals, so Oh, it looks like he didn't actually. It looks like Holland didn't actually play today, so that makes sense why they didn't score it. Because I was like, that's weird for him not. Yeah, and that's another thing. He just keeps scoring. But anyway, yeah. But with my team, uh, yeah, we just got a new coach, and uh, we haven't stopped winning, so we're rising up the rankings. And then with Mbappe, so last summer they were figuring out his contract, and it seemed pretty a hundred percent that he was going to Real Madrid. And then at the last second, uh, the main team in France, uh, out of Paris, Paris Saint-Germain, came in and just gave him a massive godfather offer. They're like, they pretty much just told him, you can be the boss. You can make choices about the roster. Um, I mean, it was crazy. I think they gave him like $300 million guaranteed for three years. So $100 million a year, pretty much, uh, euros. And uh, now, like literally a quarter... No, no, like, so it's three years. So literally after this first fall season, just a little bit, he's already talking about wanting to leave in the winter. So he wants out, which is so whack because PSG is literally giving him everything they can. I mean, they paid him as much as they could. You know, they gave him roster decision choices, and he still wants to leave to the team that he was originally supposed to, which was uh, Real Madrid, so... We'll see what he what he does. It seems like he's always been unhappy, which is weird considering he plays with, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, maybe Vigo um, and Messi and a really good player, superstar, and Neymar. I mean, and the team is just loaded. I mean, it's it's so annoying to play him off FIFA because they just got so many great players on the team. And it's like, what are what are we doing? So I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's it's all over the place. It's it's a mess. It's a mess right now, Ram. It's fun to watch though. Is PSG is PSG more stacked than the Warriors were with Kevin Durant? Um it's it's close, but no. Um those players are still in their prime. Like Messi's still a little bit old. You know, he's definitely his production is way down. Um, but it's close. It's very, it's very close. Yeah. That that one was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that was just Oh my goodness! Still, still love watching that team. Is there anybody on PSG yeah. that would just punch one of the younger guys in the face? Yes, there is a player, Sergio Ramos. He always gets red cards, and it's kind of funny because him and Messi used to be on opposite teams. So Ramos used to play for Real Madrid, and Messi used to play for Barcelona, and they'd be like fierce rivals all the time in their prime of their careers. And now they're old together, and they're all laughing and stuff. But like. Man, Ramos used to f up Messi like pretty bad too, because like he's a big guy, and Messi's like five seven, a little guy. So he'd always, you know, be sliding in, hurting him and stuff. So I mean, I think I'm pretty sure he made like Messi bleed a couple times in the game. So yeah, I could, I could see, I could definitely see Sergio Ramos punching someone, and he's known for getting red cards all the time because that's all he does. See, he's the Draymond. Yeah, he's the guy he is. with the leak footage and oh, what's this? Mm-hmm. The punch and oh, exactly. No, no. Exactly. Getting all the technicals and stuff like that. He's definitely that guy. There's a lot of there there's a lot of really short soccer players. Yeah, man. Now you're looking at heights. It's it's crazy. They're kind of just normal heights, honestly. Like 
NBA kind of skews everyone's view that, you know, all these athletes are super tall because, you know, now in NBA, you can't be shorter than 6'2", I guess, to be it. can't be shorter than seven and a half feet. Um, yeah. Ben Yana. Well, yeah, you you gotta you gotta be tall. I can't wait for people to butcher his name, like Wim Banana, Wim Bandana. <laughs> it's gonna there's gonna be people all over the place with him. But I'm happy that he did get a chance to come over here and play in Vegas. That was fun to watch him. And now, like I think I saw people saying, you know, now that creates even more hype, and it's gonna be wild this next year. But Hey, did you want to talk a little bit about Michigan, Michigan football? You guys are looking looking good right now. Still, we just uh, we just got dropped in the rankings. Yeah. No shocker. The offense was kind of lackluster the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. It's it is. I guess it's Harbaugh, you know, trying to grow and mature. JJ McCarthy as a quarterback. If you if you go and you watch those early games, they're playing Hawaii, they're playing UConn. These are clearly inferior opponents, and McCarthy is just lighting these guys up. But he's doing it by, you know, you're running these plays. You have the reads you want your quarterback to make. And McNamara was always like a one read guy. If that read's not there, it's panic. It's what do we do? And McCarthy was all McCarthy in these early games was, you know, if I'm just going to, I'm going to throw to whoever I'm throwing to guys that the play is not even supposed to this post route where, you know, we never throw this post route. Nobody ever does that. I'm throwing it anyways, because the guy's open. And now you're in these games against real opponents and those things aren't necessarily there. So McCarthy's having to be a quote unquote real quarterback, really go through the progressions, really read. And, you know, he's not putting him, he's not making mistakes. He's not putting himself in position to be stupid and make dumb passes. But the offense has not popped the last couple of weeks like it did in those early games. And we'll just, we're going to have to see over the course of the season if he continues to grow and continues to develop as he's been awesome and i love mccarthy and i'm all in on that guy but you know I, i'm we'll, we'll trust the process here with hardball they're still good and their playoff thing is not going to depend on their ranking right now their playoff hopes are going to depend on that ohio state coming up at the end of the year well it you know they got to get past penn state this week penn state is a awesome opponent that's going to be a tough game but they're back at home finally so this will be a good test for mccarthy against another top 10 team and we're going to see where he's at as a quarterback. Your quarterback, on the other hand, he's out. Tough luck he's for your hurt. guy, Jane Daniels. It's it's over. Paradise is over for Kansas football. It's, you know, it all righted on him. And it was fun to watch him play. Chances are we could have won that game. And um, who knows? But it was a fun round while it lasted. You know, I don't. I don't think anything, you know, now we're going to start facing the tough teams as well and then really get smashed in the ground on top of not having our quarterback. So, you know, now we're it's it's over. The fairy tale is over in Kansas in Lawrence. Um, but quickly going back to your guys, I did that was some of the things I was hearing for your team is that, you know, are you guys going to get punished for having such a weak non-conference schedule when the playoff committee starts looking at that? I mean, because then, especially if you guys do drop either this next week's game or Ohio State's game, and then, you know, but still, you know, if there's some weird way you still win the Big Ten championship, but you're a one-loss team against, like, an undefeated team, like an undefeated ACC champion or undefeated Pac-12 champion, 
you know, it's like, well, you know, you guys do have all this stuff. So it's all weird when you have all of these committees and people giving their opinion to decide who goes in the final four. But I mean, this will be the week to prove it. I mean, you guys have had pretty easy, you know, not too easy competition, but you know, you know, Iowa wasn't really a worry. And now you have a really ranked team and um, it'll be really exciting to watch. Uh, I think it'll definitely be the game of the, Definitely your your most important game so far, and see if JJ can step up because yeah, we'll see if he's the real deal. Um, and and Blake Corum absolutely should be. I mean, he might have to be the Heisman favorite right now. I CJ Stroud's there. CJ Stroud's awesome, but Bryce Young now is hurt for Alabama. He's gonna mm-hmm. miss time. Georgia doesn't really have one standout guy that you would give the Heisman to. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just the only thing Georgia is just a team of NFL players. So I guess, <laughs> I guess if you like that for college football, then it is what it is. They're awesome, but they don't really have a Heisman type guy. Same with Clemson. USC is the one that's sitting there. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison are both awesome this year, but Blake Corum just I think he's what 11, 12 touchdowns already. He's been insane. He's awesome. That's really the thing that Michigan has going for them. And I know Penn State's awesome, but when they're doing the promos on TV and Michigan gets, you know, it's Blake Corum and Michigan go into Penn State and they can't even name a guy for Penn State. You go, okay, at least, you know, we have the best player in the game. Blake Corum's going to be awesome. Hopefully McCarthy's the best quarterback in the game. And the non-conference stuff, ultimately it won't matter because Michigan builds their season around beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten Championship. That's what's going to matter when it comes to these playoff games. You know, in, in the week-to-week, the nitpick, the AP top 25, that stuff you can kind of, you can kind of, you, you can nitpick a little bit about, you know, they played Hawaii and UConn. But Ohio State played Notre Dame. I get Notre Dame's a big-name school. Notre Dame has not, like, had a great season. They're not a great team. Yeah. And they but only they were up, ranked fifth at that point, I think. Yeah, but be, be, before we even saw, before we even saw anything, going into the season, you know, Ohio, Notre Dame might be the fifth-best team in the country. They're not even ranked at this point. So that's. Is that mm-hmm. is that really a good win for Ohio State? Who knows? It's obviously better than Hawaii or UConn, but it's not like it's not it's not North, it's not Notre Dame. It's not the powerhouse football program that we expect yeah. them to be. So th- th- those things they matter in the week to week in the dialogue and the way mm-hmm. we talk about them. But this stuff all comes down to the end of the year. The SEC champion is going to get in. The Big Ten champion is going to get in. If USC just continues to glide through the Pac-12. That'd be a hard team to keep out as well just because of the high-end talent that they have. You watch Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and their offense and just go, yeah, this might be the scariest offense in the nation. They're going to have a real shot at the playoffs as well. But if, if Michigan wins the Big Ten, they're going to be right back in the college football playoffs. That's what that's that's how they that's how they approach the season. If we win the Big Ten, we're in. The Big Ten winner gets in. So it's just it's just a it's a take care of business mentality from week to week. So the the non-conference stuff you can rip all you want, but that stuff's good again for like McCarthy bringing him in in these early games. Let's see him. Let's let's see what he can do when he's kind of, you know, they're undermatched. He can freewheel a little bit more. You can kind of see what you have with your quarterback. You engage a little bit. And we watch those games and we go, okay, clearly McCarthy is more talented than Cade McNamara. That's what that's that's how those games are important. But the important games are coming. They're coming up now. We're in Yay. the stretch of the college football season that matters. And if Michigan's going to the playoffs, it's because they're winning these games right now. Yeah. Yeah, next. I mean, this week is a must win. I mean, all of them are technically must wins, but this one is really big. I think a lot of people, you know, with you guys falling a little bit in the rankings, people may have their confidence a little shook in Michigan. So 
And you guys need to come out here and win it and tell people to relax, keep you all up in there because, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to slip up here because you start because once that slope starts going, I mean, that's how you have Notre Dame unranked. You know, Kansas are here is I mean, they made it to 19th and they're going to be out the ranking soon. Yeah. Once you start slipping, teams love or polls love to kick them out of there and especially the playoff committees. But yeah, that should be about it. You know, I guess Alabama barely won this week. That was also weird to see. Um, but that should be about it. Go Chiefs also. Nice win this week. And um, yeah, check out our stuff on spop.media. That's spop.media. Always have the... And um, yeah, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You know, we changed it up. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out next week for another pod. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs>